Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. It seems like yesterday we launched the podcast and here we are at episode number 33 and I'm going to be talking today about managing client expectations. That's a very big topic. I hope I can narrow it down for us. There really is a, a reason why design professionals get fired and when I ask that question and when I'm speaking at a seminar or an event, I say, how many of you have been fired? Invariably, a couple of wee hands go up in the air timidly and I throw my arm up and I say, I've been fired. And I now know why I've been fired and I'm almost 100% positive why you've been fired. And it all boils down to this. Somehow we didn't manage the client's expectations bottom line. You can get into any variation of specifics you want to around it, but the bottom line is typically we just didn't manage the client's expectations. So I want to talk about how we can do a better job of doing just that and how we can avoid getting fired and how you can uh, develop a system or use a system that allows you to go from beginning of a project to end of a project, which by the way includes professional photography and a repeat and a referral customer. I think it's always a good idea to check in with Cheryl Horn before we jump into the episode. Cheryl, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Yeah. What do you have for us? Uh, We are getting near the end of our webinar series that we're walking everybody through the 15 steps. So coming up on November 22nd, um, this is a big one because you're covering steps 12 and 13, which is deficiencies. Oh, yeah. That always gets a lively conversation going. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot, of, a lot of members weighing in on that and having a lot of questions. Um, so again, that's coming up on November 22nd. Make sure you register for that. Um, and then I also wanted to read a testimonial. We got, um, we got somebody, Isabel, writing in from Belgium, and she wrote, Dear Kimberly, I'm an interior designer in Brussels, and I love your podcast and the way you share so generously your knowledge and experiences. Thank you so much for your huge impact to my business my life, and the whole interior design industry. Big hugs from Belgium. Oh my God, that's so cool. I think our first... That was a really nice one to read, yeah. That's a really good one. I think our very first... I'm going to call it foreign testimonial because here we are in North America, but came from Belgium. So now we have we have more than one member in Belgium, which is really exciting. I think we're up to something like 45 countries, which is really cool. We're not alone, everybody. We're not alone. Yeah, and I'm not sure if everyone's sort of meeting through business of design or it's coincidence, but I feel like anytime we get a testimonial or when we did the podcast with Adam in Australia, our membership and our following um, really seems to grow in those areas. Once we've got one, it seems like three, four, five over the next couple months. So whether how they're connecting, I'm sure that um, we've got little networks of um, BOD community all over the place. Ah, oh, that's good. I'm so glad because this can be a lonely business, so we need each other. And I I need you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for checking in. (laughs) Okay, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now, back to the show. 
right off the bat, I always say the one and only reason a design professional ever gets fired is she didn't manage the client's expectations. It doesn't matter if you think you did, you didn't. It doesn't matter if how you managed this client is how you managed others. If they fire you, chances are they were disappointed in some way, and it's likely an issue that could have been managed a little bit better by caring for that client's expectations. When I go into a new customer and they say to me, you know, we had another designer we were working with and she was really nice, but invariably the but has to do with not being clear about when the client could expect you that designer to return a phone call or not being clear about when the project was finally going to be done or not being clear about what expenses were upcoming. And it's rare that I come into a situation where the client says the designer was a nightmare and she was a horrible person or he was a horrible person. It's almost invariably like the client is so disappointed that they were disappointed and you really feel a tenderness toward that designer who was let go because you're imagining that probably they did the very best they could and were overwhelmed in the situation. When you go to conferences and you hear people talk about this topic, it sort of makes me laugh because rarely is it very actionable. It's typically a bunch of theory. So when I say that managing clients' expectations has to do with communication, uh, if I leave it at that, I'm not being very helpful to you. Of course we know that managing their expectations has to do with communication. But Kimberly, you're thinking, tell me exactly how I can communicate with those clients. So I'm going to tell you right off the top, my go-to rule. My go-to rule is if a client has to ask me what's happening next or where things are at or is checking in to see if I remember to do something, something is very wrong. And we kind of joke in my office, joking, not joking in my office, that if a client phones me to find out what's happening next, someone's getting fired. Because the impetus is really on us to make sure the client knows when she is going to hear from us next, what's happening next, and any other information that's going to be important to her, like, is it going to be dirty? Is it going to be messy? Is it going to be noisy? Is it going to go on until 6 p.m. at night? Is it going to wrap up at 4 p.m. at night? Is it going to start at 7 a.m. or is it going to start at 8 a.m.? And who's going to have the key? All of those questions, of course, are questions that clients have. Since we know they're going to have those questions, really the onus is on us to make sure that we give them the information before they ask. An important part of our job then becomes anticipating what's around the corner and telling the clients not once, not twice, but maybe even three times what they can expect. And you get a feel for your clients. I have those clients that I can tell them once a week, here's what happened this week, here's what's happening next week. They are totally fine and everything goes swimmingly. And then I have those another type of client who has a lot of anxiety. And I can tell them once, but if I don't tell them again and remind them a third time, I'm invariably going to get that email from them, what's happening, what's happening. And the response, I already told you what's happening twice, is not good, right? It's just not good. It doesn't make you look good and it doesn't make them feel good. So for those customers, it takes a little bit extra time to remind them 
constantly what's going on. But the benefit is you don't get those panic emails or panic phone calls about what's happening. So when you have that customer who's needy and needs to be handheld, then the rule of thumb is every other day you let them know, here's what happened today. Here's what's happening tomorrow. Don't forget the painter's going to be there at 8 a.m. He's got a key. He's already done a walkthrough with me. He's going to leave your place at 4 p.m. You can expect drop cloths in your garage with some paint cans. Make sure you don't run over them. We've agreed that the garage is going to be our fulfillment area for the duration of the project. So I really want to be crystal clear about what we can expect. And then I can also say to the customer, listen, if there's anything that doesn't look right to you or doesn't feel right to you, please give me a call. Here's my cell phone. And on the odd occasion that that happens, I can immediately get on the phone with the painter or whomever and say, the client's concerned about X, what's going on there. And now I know that that customer is going to be involved at that level of detail. Communication is really important whenever it has to do with timing and budget, of course. And when it comes to timing, it's okay to be busy. We're working on a project right now where uh, it's a third project we've done for the client, and this is her cottage. It's in cottage country. And because it's far from the city where our A-team of trades is, she's going to be working with her own contractor, somebody she's used before. So we did our presentation in February. It was great. It was received. We received a deposit. We placed the orders. And the contractor was supposed to get started on building the kitchen and built-ins, et cetera, immediately. Well... Uh, September, October rolls around and the client um, is frustrated because her contractor hasn't done what she's supposed to do. So suddenly the contractor kicks into high gear and it's November and she wants immediate responses from us. And I've had to say to the customer, you know, we allowed for lots of time to do this in July and August. And your contractor delayed everything. So now we're slammed with other projects and we cannot give her immediate answers to her questions. And I had to go and meet with the client face to face and explain why that is. And she was a little bit frustrated with us because she knows how we operate and we run a pretty tight ship. But I explained to her and I reminded her when she decided to use her own contractor that this was a possibility. So now it's really clear we have room in our schedule to make sure that our part of the work is done in December, provided the contractor finishes her part uh, end of November. I'll keep you posted. I have no idea what's going to happen. But sometimes we do have to say to a customer that we have some other things going on. If we have scheduled them in for a certain period of time and there are delays and changes and scope creep, et cetera, then we might have to go back to them and revisit the timeline. And communication, again, here is super super key. We want to make sure that we're always uh, letting the customer know that they're really important to us. And when it's a critical time in their project, all other work is going to stop so we can focus on them. And we want to afford our other clients the same value and the same luxury. 
And as long as we're thinking of this, I, I will also mention that, you know, when someone calls you for a consultation, you don't have to go tomorrow. It's okay to tell them that there is a three-week, a four-week, a five-week wait. It's okay to be busy. Uh, sometimes I get it in my head, I need to go to the dentist and I want to get a cleaning and I can't get in for two weeks because my dentist is busy. I don't quit the dentist. Uh, you know, I just become more flexible and I work with that dentist schedule. And the same thing will be true for you too. If you know you're slammed, if you're as busy as you can possibly be, then when that next consultation comes in, you don't have to book it for tomorrow. Give yourself time to be ready to focus on that new customer. Part of communication also has to do with being honest, being honest and being transparent. But let's start with honesty. If you get a new project in September and they say to you, uh, we want everything done, including the new kitchen by Christmas, there's only one thing to say, and that is no way can't happen, won't happen. Invariably, I will say to that customer, you're going to find other trades who will lie to you and tell you it can happen. But I'm telling you right now, not happening not in this universe. So feel free to work with someone else who will lie to you and come December 25th, you will be looking at half a kitchen and a hot mess of a house. Or we can do all the work up front, but begin the construction part after December 25th. And you can enjoy your new uh, kitchen and your new bathroom or whatever it is in time for summer. So it's okay sometimes to just say no. And it's also okay, um, recently somebody posted on Facebook that the client removed her administration hours uh, from the invoice for billables. And it's okay at that point to say, no, I'm sorry, you don't get to decide what of, you know, which of my bills you're going to pay. I can't imagine a situation where the phone company allows me to take a little off because I think their data charges are a bit high. It doesn't work that way. You have a specific revenue, a specific business model. You're the boss, it's your business. So of course, we're not going to be rude or disrespectful to our clients in any way, but it's uh, the impetus again is on us to explain why we build the way we bill, how we bill, and uh, in some cases you may have to remind them that you are running a business for profit. I remember once this client saying to me, like, if you're charging these rates and you have seven projects on the go, you could be making as much as a million dollars in the next seven months. And I looked at him and I said, yeah. Like, why do I have to be apologetic that I'm running a business for profit? And why should I be apologetic that it's a successful business for profit? I find that might be a bit more of a trap for females than it is for males, but I've certainly encountered that a couple of times. And I remember sharing that story with Beth Halstead, who's my decorative artist, and she had a similar situation where the customer literally said, but you're just a decorative artist kind of thing. And she's like, wow, I don't think of myself as just an anything. Uh, I'm a human being who's running a business and I have a mortgage and this is what it costs to do my work. Um, So it's okay sometimes to say no. It's a little trickier when you have to say no because the client has an idea that doesn't work. So I have a, a project going on right now. I love this client. She's become a dear, dear friend. And she's describing what she wants to me on the one hand, but then sending me pictures that are contrary to what she tells me she wants on the other hand. And so I'm having to say to her, you can either have what you're describing 
or you can have what's in the photos, but you cannot have both. There is no way to have both. And this has been a bit of a tough conversation for both of us. Uh, She feels a little bit like I'm strong arming her, but I know at the end of the day, I have to be really clear with her about the fact that I know what I'm doing And if she's really determined to have this strict aesthetic she's describing, uh, then it's my job to tell her some of her ideas don't work. Even though she likes them, they don't work. It can be really hard for those of us who trend toward super nice and accommodating, which I include myself in that category in many respects, certainly in my business. It can be really hard for us to be assertive. Um, I don't think any of us wants to be aggressive, but I do think we need to be assertive and advocate for ourselves. We know how to run a design firm. Our clients don't. So much of what we present to them is non-negotiable in terms of uh, how we bill, what we bill, provided our contract is very clear about those things. We want to make sure that we're not giving in every time a customer says, gee, I don't think I really want to pay that. Um, And we're not giving in when a customer says, can't you make this happen a little bit faster? The trap that I used to get myself into all the time was I would say, I will try. And every single time I said, I will try, the customer would try to tell me that I told them for sure it would be done at a certain time. So I've learned to just say, no, it's not going to happen. It's not possible. There's no possible way. And the client is always disappointed that I can't accommodate their desire for a specific timeline or a specific budget. But once they work through that, we can get back on track and they begin to trust me because I've told them the truth. When we're communicating with our clients, of course, we do this in a variety of ways. We do it face-to-face, we do it via email, uh, as some people do it via text. So I'm just going to share with you a little bit about how it works for me. Whenever there's bad news, a change happens, something goes wrong on site, that's a phone call. I always phone the customer or a face-to-face meeting is even better, but let's say that can happen. It's a phone call to say, hey, here's what happened on site today and here's how we're going to solve it. I think it's really important for a customer to hear your tone of voice, for them to understand that you get how serious this is or what a big challenge this is, and letting them know that you are 100% committed to getting it right is very assuring. That kind of tone can't come through in an email, no matter what you write. Um, As a regular ongoing update, many of our clients prefer emails. So uh, on a regular basis, once a week at least, we will update the client. Here's what happened this week. Here's what's happening next week. Here's the big picture. Here are some goal dates that we want you to keep in mind. And we'll do that on a weekly basis. Even sometimes when it feels redundant, we do it on a weekly basis. Because the last thing I want is that customer to go into the weekend and go, gosh, you know, I haven't heard from Kimberly. I wonder if she's forgotten about us. I don't want that conversation to happen. So every week we update them via email. Lots of people talk about getting texts from clients, and I decided a while ago that I would not accept texts from clients because the expectation with a text is an immediate response, and I'm not able to give an immediate response to a specific client 
frequently because I'm working on five other clients at the same time. So it's a little bit hard to say to a customer, and I had to do it recently, um, you can phone me anytime you like, and you can send me an email anytime you like, but I keep text for family and friends only. It's my way of communicating with my kids to know that they're alive, you know, that they got to the party safely and they're home again. Uh, It's my way of communicating with my husband, what's for dinner tonight. Uh, And I keep that channel clear for those uh, personal relationships. And it is a little bit hard, I will say truthfully, to say that to customers, but I've never had a customer uh, be angry or annoyed at that. And the other side of that is, of course, with with Gmail accounts, you know, you have an unlimited amount of data that's being backed up all the time. So you can keep track of those important conversations indefinitely. And weirdly enough, I have gone back five, six, seven, eight years uh, in my Gmail account to find a record of a conversation I had with clients about something that they wanted to know about. So there could be a flood in the basement and they're asking about a particular product we used and who we used for that. And that email um, cache of archived emails is so important. So I don't delete anything from my Gmail account. I archive everything. And that has been a real game changer for me. So I do not text with clients. They do have my personal cell phone. In the event something really goes wrong, I expect a phone call and I will pick up the phone and I will deal with it immediately. But usually they don't use it. I mean, if you really do a good job of communicating them with them ahead of time, couple times a week or one time time a week, whatever it needs to be, they frequently don't feel the need to pick up the phone. Usually when they pick up the phone, something is happening now in real time. I didn't say this at the beginning, but often at the consultation when I'm meeting the client, and particularly when they've worked with another designer, I will ask them how they like to be managed. Um, And I can give them some examples. You know, there are customers who want one email every week. What happened last week? What's happening next week? And that way they feel that every Tuesday they know they're going to get an update and that keeps them on track. And then there are customers who would like a phone call twice a week. That makes them feel more comfortable. So I usually have a conversation with them around what is going to help manage their expectations. And then part of communication is also kind of overstating the challenges of what's ahead. For instance, let's say the contractor is coming to demolish the kitchen on Tuesday. I will really make that sound like a hellish experience for the client. There's going to be a bin in your driveway. There's going to be five guys. They're going to be making noise. There's going to be dust and dirt flying everywhere. We're going to put up um, plastic sheets so it doesn't go into the other rooms, but invariably there's like a microscopic hole in the plastic and some dust will get into the living room. I will just make it sound horrible. Then when the day actually occurs, almost across the board, clients will say, well, it really wasn't that bad. You really made it sound worse. Where previously, when I was younger, I would say, oh, don't worry about a thing. It's going to be a little messy and a little bit noisy, but we'll take care of everything. Now I tell them worst case scenario, it's going to be horrible. And then they're pleasantly surprised when it's not so bad. So part of managing clients' expectations is putting yourself in a position to look good over deliver an under promise. You've heard that before. 
When I was younger, I used to also downplay the amount of work. I would say, oh, it's nothing for us. And today I realize that doesn't serve me very well. So instead I'll say, we have a very complicated week ahead. We've got seven trades who are going in and out. Uh, Some of it has to be done in a linear fashion, which means the plumber is going to come on Monday and then he'll leave for a little bit. He'll come back Wednesday and he will come back again on Friday. I want you to know that because it's going to look like things aren't organized. But in fact, that is standard operating procedure, and that's what it's going to look like. So it's okay also to let the clients know that you're aware it looks a little chaotic, but that's okay. Everything is going exactly as planned. You've all probably by now seen my uh, 12 Steps to a Custom Pillow, but that will be up on the site for you to have a copy of. And that really gives a good uh, bird's eye view at what's involved at even the simplest job, which is creating a custom pillow. I have um, color copies of this article I wrote for Style at Home years ago, and I will give them out to customers at the consultation. And I'm letting them know that the work we do is complex and fluid. And very often we have to think on our feet and be very quick in making decisions. And that's okay. We're prepared to do that and they can trust us that we can manage that. So if you haven't seen that 12 steps to a custom pillow, uh, you definitely want to take a look at it. It starts at selecting the fabric and then step two is selecting the trim. And then at step three, we're figuring out the size. Is it an 18 inch square? Is it a 20 inch square? Is it a kidney? If so, is it 24 by 14 or is it 18 by seven? Or, you know, there's a million decisions that we make with something as simple as a custom pillow. So imagine when you're renovating or decorating an entire home or more than one room, how much more complicated it all gets. In addition, at that consultation, if they have had a bad experience in the past, I ask them to tell me about it. It's possible that you can learn a lot about the customer from the description of that bad experience. You know, if it's um, sort of a standard complaint, which I hear a lot, you know, she was lovely, but I never knew when she was going to show up. I never knew what things were going to cost. I never knew uh, when it was going to be done. I'm very confident that I can solve those problems for the customer. And I can tell them right there at that meeting, I can make you happy in this respect. We're different. We handle things differently. But what if the complaint is something that you think is pretty normal and probably shouldn't be complained about? So for example, what if the complaint is, she billed us every month? Well, I'm going to bill you every month. So how is that going to be different? Um, It gives you an opportunity to gain some insight into this new customer you're about to take on and determine whether or not, in fact, it's a good fit. I remember going to a consultation and the customers uh, were very intense, both of them very, very intense. And we did the consultation and I can, I can only describe it as intense. I wasn't sure if I wanted the job because I felt like there was something going on. And they'd had another designer. And finally I said, would you please just show me what the other designer did? Just show me the drawings. They didn't want to show me the drawings because they wanted my ideas. So it's at the end of the consultation. They pull out the drawings and I'm looking at the drawings and I'm thinking, these are beautiful. This is beautiful, thoughtful work. Whomever the designer is, she's amazing. Why would you not work with her, is what I said to them. And in fact, they did go on to work with that other designer. They did decide to stick with that other designer, but they just wanted a second opinion for whatever reason. So it is okay sometimes for you to say, this isn't the job for me, or... 
in, in that case, you know, you're already working with the right person. Or I don't think I'm going to be able to make you happy. I, you know, I also charge by the hour. Our fees are going to be substantial because we carry a tremendous amount of liability and responsibility. Um, where I can set myself apart from the competition almost always is I can guarantee on time, on budget. And when you can guarantee on time, on budget, you can charge a lot more money because there is a customer who will pay extra for that. So that's what the 15 steps have done for me. They've allowed me to guarantee on time, on budget, and uh, guarantee that the project will run from beginning to end uh, without disruption. And at the end of it, we're going to be great friends, uh, which is something I never could promise before. I never had repeat or referral customers because I would just wear them out eventually. And I was that designer that they said, you know, she was really nice, but... I was that designer that they described. So I have a lot of compassion when I'm the second designer in and I know someone's been let go. I very often wish I could reach out to them and say, you know, gosh, I wish, could we talk? Because I've got some ideas for you that would be so helpful. Um, but the fact of the matter is everybody gets to run their business how they want. And uh, I would like to run my business with you guys by my side, you know, cheering me on to the finish line. I get so much love and support from this community, and uh, I want to thank you for that. Finally, let's all remember that managing a client's expectations starts long before the finish line. It starts before you ever meet them. It starts with what impression you're sending out to the world with your website and with various articles, uh, print articles, etc. Uh, you are contributing to. It starts with the intake phone call. Who phones them back? How does that conversation go? Is there a strategy to that conversation? Did you just have a conversation for 45 minutes and meandered around and then finally booked a consultation? Or did that consultation get booked in an efficient manner? Was there any hesitation about the fee at the consultation? Was there a back and forth description uh, or discussion about whether or not that fee is negotiable? Or when the client asked if the fee was negotiable, was the answer, no, it's not negotiable? End of story. All of those things set an expectation before you arrive at the consultation. And then at the consultation, you know, invariably clients are so nice. They'll always say, would you like a coffee? Would you like some water? Almost always I would say, thank you so much. I just had something in the car. Let's get started. And at the end, if there's time, uh, we'll sit down and I would love to have a cup of coffee with you. So I let them know that really I'm here to work. Let's get the work done. And then if there's time at the end, yeah, let's chat and have a conversation. I'll read my contract and uh, let's decide if we want to work together. But when I first get there, I am there to work. And I go through a particular routine. You know, I make sure that this is a project. They're considering hiring us to do project management. I let them know I'm going to take notes and we're going to walk through the house and they can tell me anything, anything they love about their home, anything they don't like about their home. We can discuss budgets. We can discuss all of that, but I keep the conversation moving along swiftly and very much keep it on track and focused. So they get a sense that when I'm going to be charging them an hourly rate, I know how to hunker down and do the job and not be distracted. Um, I don't talk to them about shoes and hats and clothes uh, in the middle of the consultation because that's wasting their money. So I'm very clear that I am there to work for them and they're the boss. 
If you set expectations and then you don't follow your own rules, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And I've done that so many times. I will describe exactly how we're going to do it all. Uh, And then for some reason, I get creative and go off the page. Every single time I've done that, I've been sorry. I strongly encourage you to follow your rules, stick to them. When in doubt, make a phone call to someone else in your support group. Call us at Business of Design, write to me on the forum. If you are already a member, you know that after every single course, you have an opportunity to ask any question you want. So I get outreach questions uh, on a daily basis and try to answer each and every single one of those within 48 hours. Uh, It's becoming more challenging to do that (laughs) because we're getting more members, but so far so good. And the other advantage, of course, if you're a member of Business of Design, you're able to see all the previous questions. So uh, it's possible that your question's already been answered. Uh, But in any case, you guys keep me honest. You guys are the reason I know I have to not just talk the talk, but walk the talk because I do not want to be a phony or a fraud with you guys. So as I go out the door and I meet clients, I am keenly aware of you guys at my side cheering me on to the finish line, and you know I'm rooting for you as well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I hope business is booming, and we love having you in the Business of Design community. Big, big, big virtual hug to every single one of you. Go out there and have an amazing, profitable, productive, wonderful day being your own boss. Aren't we lucky? Thanks for being here. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.